Welcome to Two Girls Who Read, a podcast. I'm Olivia. And I'm Lily. And this is the podcast where we talk about anything and everything book related. This week's topic is books with anti heroes. Yeah, this one's super cool because I feel like so many of the books have like the traditional like hero like storyline, like the chosen one or whatever. But these is like the opposite of that. <laughs> Well, yes, that is what anti-hero implies, doesn't it, Lily? Yeah. But there's very few books that follow this, like, pattern, right? Because... Yeah. It, I mean, we had trouble... Okay, well, actually, I don't know what this says about us. Like, we actually didn't have much trouble coming up with books from this topic because we're just a horrible people who like reading about other horrible people, I guess. But, like, I get like, what you mean. It was... It's not cliche. It was definitely, yeah, they're definitely less common than, mm. like... For, for most people, it's hard to find these books, <laughs> so... So that's why we're coming in hot with, with the rests, you know? We're sharing, we're sharing our horrible people wisdoms or something great. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Mm, exactly. We're just giving back. Um, yeah. Okay, so we'll just we'll just hit it off. So, no spoilers for this episode. First one is just the classic, I think, the classic anti-hero. Okay, this is actually interesting to me because I feel like people, something that comes with, like, popularity with anti-hero books, which kind of frustrates me, is the fandoms, like, try and defend the anti-heroes, and I'm like... Yeah, it's actually, yeah, it's kind of annoying, like, when they're like, Mm. no, but, like, they're, they're... They're good people. I'm like, like, their motivations are horrible. (laughs) And I feel like this is the classic example of that. It's Six of Crows by Lee Bardugo. It's like the staple anti-hero book. And literally, like, the whole appeal to why Six of Crows was so, like, legendary was because, like, Lee Bardugo wrote the Grisha trilogy, which is, like, classic, like... Hero's, hero's journey. journey yeah exactly like there's a pro there's a good guy and a bad guy and like it it's very clear i mean for, for jesus christ like the bad guy's called the darkling like it's pretty light and dark you know it's it's as bare bones <laughs> as you can get and then like alina's ability is light like jesus <laughs> and so um but then also like she finished that and that was like pretty basic and it kind of like did really well and whatnot and then Lee Bardugo, where she was such a queen, where she was like, yes, I'm coming out with a new, like, duology set in this universe, and it's going to be about, like, the criminals in this world. And everyone was like, what the heck? Like, you can't... She's like, yeah, my next duology, it's about, like, criminals, like, heisting the places that, like, we've grown to love. Like, (laughs) so it was just queen shit, pretty much. But, yeah, Six of Crows... Follows the journey of six, um, uh, six different misfits. I guess you can say it's a classic like band of misfits kind of story, and we've got Kaz Brecker, who's just the the criminal in Ketterdam or Ketterdam, however you want to say it, which is just an island pretty much dedicated to crime, and <laughs> then we have Jesper, like the certified gambling addict, and we have Inej, who is our wraith queen um and we have wylan our demolition and nina our heart render which means she can manipulate uh people's like hearts 
I guess. Like, uh, bodies. Like, bodies. Like, uh, blood flows and all of that fun stuff. And then we have Matthias, who... Um, he is our certified straight white man, I guess you can say. And um, honestly, it's so funny, though, because the only one that, if you look at it, it can really call themselves, like, a good person is kind of, like, in the basic definition of it in YA is honestly Matthias. And everybody hates Matthias <laughs> in book one. It's not until, like, well, yeah, so, yeah. Um... But yeah, it basically follows these six bands of misfits and they decide to pull off the biggest heist ever done in this magical universe's history. And it's basically like Ocean's 8 and like that Ocean's 11's universe and whatever meets like Game of Thrones pretty much, which is such a vibe. And all the Mm -hmm. characters are super... uh, It's definitely a book where it's like you go into it expecting it to be very like plot heavy and it definitely is that. Um, but it's super surprising how character driven the novel is by the time you finish it. Like the duology, you're like, oh my gosh, I love these characters. They're all so complex, which is why it's such a good anti-hero story. Um, but it can get a little bit annoying sometimes because we've actually talked about this in a podcast episode called like White Cats is the Villain. And then in brackets, don't worry, we still want him to break us in half with his cane. Um... And we talked about a bit, we went a bit more in depth, but I definitely think people try and defend um, these characters, especially Kaz. Um, Yeah, when Kaz is pretty much the worst of them, he only, yeah, he's pretty bad. He's pretty bad, but. It's just, he's definitely an anti-hero, to say the least. Like, his motives were always questionable throughout the whole thing, like. Uh Oh yeah, he was kind of doing it for the right reasons. It wasn't like oh, he's doing the wrong things for the right reasons. No, he was doing the wrong things for his own personal gain. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> like everybody else in the crows, I feel like you can, to some degree, say like they're doing the wrong thing for the right reasons. But Kaz, it's just like no, he he's he's doing the wrong things for the wrong reasons, and he knows he is, but he doesn't give a crap. Yeah. Like, and yeah, super interesting to read about and like representation is also super awesome in this duology and um yeah yeah six of crows by lee bardugo it's pretty it's like the staple anti-hero duology and ya i feel like definitely Mm. okay so the next one that i'm going to talk about is the ember in the ashes quartet quartet Um, yeah four books it's fancy yeah um and this is by Sabah Tahir and you guys this this quartet it is incredible it is fantastic and we do feature some anti-heroes and the anti-hero you know this book is it's not quite like Six of Crows because we do have some of your classic heroes journey shit you know Mm. I was gonna Um, say I was very surprised when you said like when we're thinking of books for this and you said this book, like I was, I thought it was just the classic, like good guys, bad guys. Oh yeah. Good girls, bad girls thing. No, no, no. It's, um, it is, it, it, you do have your classic main character hero. Um, but then even she at times though is a little, well, what are your motives here? This girl, but for the most part, for the most part, she follows it. But then there is another character named 
um, Helene. Oh, Helene. Helene. Yeah, what did you say? I said Elias. I thought the guy... Is the guy even called Elias? Yeah, that's the guy. Oh, yeah. I thought... I don't know. The direction I thought maybe it could have been was, like, the girl was, like, the good... I don't know. I know nothing about this series, so you keep going. Helene. Sounds like a queen. She is a queen, and you love her, and she goes through so much character development, but... And she... She's, a, she's an anti-hero in a different way than, like, Kaz is an anti-hero. Kaz is just, like, fucking shit up because he's like, I can. I live in the crime island. She's going to tell me to stop. Yes. <laughs> but he's like, I feel like, like it. Yeah. But Helene is an anti-hero in a very interesting way because she, um... Like... She kind of thought she was doing the right thing but she was not <laughs> and then people would tell her like you're not doing the right thing but it was almost like like she she had these like beliefs and ideas indoctrinated into her her whole life that she didn't know how to be anything different and so she really mm. did kind of act like an anti-hero throughout the story and then yeah there's a few different anti-heroes in that book um and pretty much no one's just a straight villain, if that makes sense. Like, even, like, the most villainous of villains. Like, they had some scenes where I looked at them and I was like, oh my god, that? you are, like, kind of screwed up in the head. So, like, what's going on there, you know? We always um, love a good book where it's like, you're listening to the villain's speech and then they start kind of spitting facts and you're like, oh, tea. Like, yeah. I mean... Yeah, this book was just really interesting because, you know, in four books, the characters would have the opportunity to get really complex, and Helene definitely, like, crossed a lot of those. She definitely did a lot of that, where she was crossing some boundaries and wasn't really your traditional character, for sure. And she did get away. She she got in the way of the main characters quite a bit, actually. But you still, you still stand. You still stand her. You were like, no, but I see it. You're like, you get in the way of those main characters, girl. Yeah, you go, girlfriend, go power. And she even she has gatekeep. She has her own POV as well. Oh, that I like it. It's fun. I'm, but not in the not in the first two books. I don't think. I think just in the last two. Mm. If I know correctly, yeah. I definitely want to read like an Ember in the Ashes soon. And you is should. it because you just explained, like, Helene to me? Possibly, but we're gonna... <laughs> <laughs> She's definitely one of my favorite characters, like, from... Didn't from you say years. I reminded you of Helene at one point? I, I, you, I think it was her attitudes, her attitude towards men, like, reminded me of you. And also, like, yeah, okay, interesting. Okay. Um, love that. Okay. Um, Okay. Moving on. <laughs> so, this one is another, like, basic kind of book talk series, but I feel like when it comes to this topic, we can't ignore it because it needs to be talked about more. The Cruel Prince by Holly Black. Like, Jude Duarte is an anti-hero in some form. and For sure. Yeah, but in the most, like, iconic way. So, um, yeah. So, basically, The Cruel Prince it follows the journey of Jude Duarte and uh, she is basically 
a human who finds herself in the fairy realm after some guy shows up and slaughters her parents because her half-sister actually turns out to be half uh, fae uh, or fairy and they're like we're taking back what's ours come with us but then the fairy's like well since I'm a nice person I can't just leave these people like as orphans uh, even though he just like is the reason they are orphans and he's like come on down to fairyland with me and then it follows the journey of Jude uh, navigating her way through the fairy realm as a human and um this kind of really like f's like f's her up in so many ways as it would um which honestly I really admired reading about in a series because so often we see the narrative especially with like fairy books because they're getting more and more popular um but it's always like the narrative of like oh my god like I've been swept away to like this mystical magical land and it's like the best thing that ever happened to me and like the human realm just sucks and it's like I always respected with the cruel prince like it was quite um it never it always like reminded you that like hey the fairy realm has like its flaws as well <laughs> like in some ways like the human realm yeah. is a lot better and especially when you're a human in the fairy realm so yeah and then of course amongst it the reason why the cool prince is so popular is the the blueprint for enemies to lovers that is jude and Carden. and yeah jude does a lot of things in this trilogy where it's like even though you totally see where she's coming from and you're like, you go girl, like you do it, like you do you. Um, it's, it's, pos- it's not for the like greater good or anything. It's for her. She's like, mm-hmm. I, I need to do this because I need to, I need to save my ass. So sorry, yeah. not sorry, but Mm. it's just a it's a really well-written book uh, like well-written trilogy because when it's she does those things you're just like okay yeah makes sense like go for it <laughs> kind of like how you were describing with Helene I feel like where you're like you know what you're getting in the way of everyone right now but like you do it you go you do you yeah exactly yeah. that's basically what like a good anti-hero is you're just like you know what you're screwing everyone over right now but go for it <laughs> yeah well, mm. I I just realized actually what you were talking. Mm. Are you are you done with the cruel prince? Yeah. I realized I forgot to explain that Emma and the Ashes is about like a bad podcaster. <laughs> oh, so I'll just oh, no. the before I get on to the next one. Sorry guys, that one's that was on me. Oh wow, so unprofessional. I know. I'm so sorry. Mm-hmm. Um basically an Ember in the Ashes is about a girl named this just shows how much I like Helene compared to the other one. What's her name? Layla or Lila oh. or something. Oh yeah, yeah, Leia. I reminder: I have not read the book. <laughs> um, sorry. So Leia, her basically her parents—they're dead because what is a YA fantasy if their parents are alive? Parents. Yeah. Dead. What do you think this um, is? A YA book where they're alive? Please. Absolutely not. We're looking yeah. for quality. So, yeah, so her parents, they've, they've been killed, and basically they're living under, like, basically there is this school, and it's where, like, the like masks, I guess, go to trade. That's what I called them in my head. I don't know if they actually had it. They probably had a different name, but I called them the little mask people because they had to wear these masks all the time. 
<laughs> what? <laughs> You're like, oh. Oh? No. Anyway. Okay, there is then... a reason for that. That'll explain also. <laughs> what? Just say it. Well, I can't because it's another book wreck, like, a book wreck that we're going to bring up. It kind of has masks involved as well, and um, it's, like, really hot, so I'm like, <laughs> that's why I was like, oh, masks, I see. Come on, but whenever there's, like, masked people, you always hope for the moment that when they take the mask off, you're like, please be hot, please be hot. Oh, my God, they're hot. You know what I mean? Yeah. You, you, okay. You're looking at me like I'm a crazy person. You <laughs> Anyway, yes. Okay. So it's like the Martial Empire. They all wear masks, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But Leia, she is a slave to the to the Martial Empire. And so one day the Marshals come and kidnap her brother and put her in jail. And she's of course a little upset by this. She's like, "Bro, okay, that's like kind of rude. Um, maybe don't do that because it's like her only remaining family, right?" And she finds out her brother's been put in jail because he had, like, some knowledge of some plans to, like, that would basically take down, like, the, the marshal, the marshals. Mm. And so, of course, they throw him in prison. But she's like, oh, where are we to get him back? So she, this place called, like, Black Cliff Academy, where she's like, I'm going to go, like, be a slave there so I can get, like, information wow. as to, like how I can, you know, get my brother out and, like, find out where he is. Mm. And so, yeah, so she's a spy. Wait, well, she ends up becoming a slave, so she can be, like, a spy for, like, this, organize, this underground organization that'll, like, help her get her brother, I guess, so, like, indirectly, mm. and try to get her brother out by, like, helping this underground organization out. And then there she meets Elias, who is, like, a student at this, at this place. Um... And he's been raised as one of these masked people who's been basically forced to, like, be, like, tyrannical to these slaves. But Elias, he doesn't like this. He is ready to dip. Like, he wants to desert, which is a crime punishable by death. And so they're kind of both in a situation where they're kind of stuck due to their circumstances. Um... And they find each other. Yeah. <laughs> and then they find each other. The end. Yeah. So that's... Sorry, that's my bad for not explaining that sooner. But now we'll go on to my next... Next book. And that is The Young Elites series by Marie Lu. So this is a trilogy. Um, I won't forget to explain it this time. But Adelina... She is, basically what happened was a couple years prior, um, a plague had like swept through this nation and most people died, like pretty much everyone died except some people survived. And the people who survived had like a really bad, basically marks that like showed it. Um, so for example, Adelina, she had like no eye or something like that. Um, and so everyone, like, viewed them as, like, disgusting creatures, no one wanted to go near them, anywhere near them. And so, one day, she tries to run away from her abusive father, 
to her like she's like oh my god you're disgusting you're like bringing shame to the family like your little sister she's wearing this hat like she didn't get the illness she's like a normal actually i think her sister did get the illness but like she like looked normal mm. yeah anyway so the dad was like abused her and so she was like i'm going to run away and so she ran away one night and then her dad ended up catching up to her and basically in the midst of a storm like of trying like trying to get away from him she brings out this like supernatural ability that she didn't know that she had and ends up killing her father with this is all like chapter one this is like chapter one by the way um, I, know, I was actually thinking, I was like, Lily, you're kind of giving a lot away right now, I feel like, and I haven't even read the book, but no, it's, it's a Marie Lou book. <laughs> it's a Marie Lou book. Marie <laughs> yeah. A lot happens. Um, but yeah, she is, she's just chilling. Um, she's not chilling, actually. She's not having a good time, because now she's on the run, because she's like, everyone's like, oh my god, she's a murderer, you know? Hmm. Um, so basically, she ends up stumbling upon this, like, society, I guess the young elite society hmm. clearly that's where the name comes from and a lot of people who had this illness and then survived were left with these powers um and so they try to help her to like train her powers um but she is she's not doing well at her training it's not it's not the you know the usual training scenes i guess if that makes sense where um that main character just like starts doing better and they're trained by the hot love interest like <laughs> it's okay you can say Nestor and Cassian <laughs> it wasn't it wasn't Nestor and Cassian um but there is a hot guy his name is Enzo anyway um Enzo is such a hot name like when it comes to fictional stuff yeah he is hot so Mm. Yeah, you're right. Um, that's a, oh, yeah, sorry, what I'm saying is, like, that's a hot guy name right there. Yeah. Yeah. Um, anyway, and so, but she has a desire for revenge. She is not coping well with the mistreatment she's faced her whole life because of her markings. And she's not looking to, to do the hero's journey. She's looking to fuck some shit up. And so this isn't even, I wouldn't even call this an anti-hero. I would call her, like, the straight-up villain. Like, the book is told from the villain's point of view. Fun. Um, so, like, this is probably the most extreme out of all of them, because I read three books from Adelina's point of view, and I was mm-hmm. like, I don't really think I like you, bro. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> like, I didn't dislike her. Like, I was like, okay, I understand you've been really mistreated, but, like, I think you need to tone it down. <laughs> like, it wasn't like with Kaz, you know, where we like, of course we stand Kaz Brecker, sure, sure, sure. Or like the the crows. I don't know, mm. she was a lot, she was a lot darker. Like, she's a, it's a, she's a pretty dark character, like. Um, but you do feel bad for her. She's, she's really gone through it. <laughs> Cute. I feel like this really takes away from a statement that I was planning on saying where I'm like, I feel like the young Elias, it gives off the same vibes as Six of Crows where it's like a staple, like, anti-hero series, but for younger kids. But I'm not getting that vibe. <laughs> Anymore. No. No, no. No, no, no. 
I think it's because, like, in my head, I associate, like, legend. That's very, like, 13, 14, like, demographic, I feel. Like, it's always marketed at that. So then when I think of, like, Marilo and, like, younger leads, I made that connection. But obviously I was wrong. <laughs> okay. Yeah, the younger leads was pretty dark for sure. Like, there was some stuff in there where I was like, oh, my gosh, that's, like, traumatizing. Low-key. Oh, yeah. wow. <laughs> Interesting. Okay. Um, the next one I'm going to do is a new release. It's by Bridget Camera, same author as the Curse of Dark and Lonely trilogy. And it's called Defy the Night. Um, I feel like this is a book that I've been, I've seen, been seeing going around a little bit on BookTok, but like it hasn't like blown up or anything, but I've seen like a few BookTokers like who have read it already and like who have bought it. But basically the premise of Defy the Night is in a high fantasy world overridden by a plague called, um, the fever where basically there is only one cure to this disease called the the cure very very elaborate terms um or the elixir i guess which is made out of a very rare flower called like moonflower petals um which they're obviously they're very expensive because this is also like a capitalist society and capitalism is like a huge theme in this book too um pretty much there's this whole dilemma of like if you're poor like you can't afford the elixir so you, if you get sick like you're more likely to die um basically only like the wealthy get to live um but we follow the journey of tessa and tessa is a poor person who kind of lives in like the slums of this high fantasy world whose parents you know like we said earlier since we like quality of course they are dead um <laughs> they both died from the f- uh they both died because uh the royals pretty much killed them because they got caught illegally making the like elixir because he was uh her dad was an apothecary and as a result Tessa learned how to be an apothecary a little bit from her dad and what she does is we set the scene literally like chapter 1 she is illegally making um the elixir the very thing that like killed her dad and she goes out with her little almost sidekick I guess you could say called Western Lark and they go into the high fantasy world and supply um this elixir to the poor and you know keep these people alive because she thinks like they don't deserve to die just because they can't afford like an overpriced flower and also how we get this flower is like western lark he like smuggles them so yeah and we're earlier about the mask thing we're coming back full circle where the mask thing comes from is because tessa and western when they do these like um these vigilante activities they uh wear masks because they don't want to like know each other's identities in case they get caught they don't want to be able to like put the other in danger which I think is super fun and fresh <laughs> and because yeah. it's just this like a weird tension between them and um yeah it actually is an anti-hero story um Tessa is not the anti-hero but there are two POVs and the second one is the anti-hero and that is um Prince Korik because in this um 
Well, it's more one of those books where, like, you're reading it and honestly you're just like, listen, I don't know. I don't even know, like, what is right and what is wrong anymore. You guys are just, like, messed up. Like, <laughs> it's more that book, but, um, yeah, it's it's a vibe and it's the first book in an ongoing trilogy. And so, yeah, I mm-hmm. highly recommend checking it out. It's a vibe. Um, yeah, cool. Okay, Defy the Night. I'm done. <laughs> um, my next one, this one's a standalone, not a series, but it is Heartless by Marissa Meyer. A lot of you guys have probably heard of it. I don't know how many people have read it. Um, but yeah, so she's a pretty popular author. She wrote like the Stunning Woods books and everything, but she's a really good author and she writes a lot of stuff with anti-heroes. Like I know Renegades is as well. I just haven't read it, so I didn't want to say it. So she seems to do a lot in this area. But Heartless by Marissa Meyer, it doesn't, the book doesn't start out as an anti-hero story, which is what kind of makes this one interesting. Like, it doesn't start out as an anti-hero story. And it's, you start this book because of this podcast, and then you're like, 100 pages in, and you're like, Lily, what were you on about there? Um just wait (laughs) um because this book really does become like a full-on like origin story almost a little bit like it's like well I feel like the title implies who it's about yeah (laughs) yeah and so um basically what Heartless is so basically it's a whole spin on like the you know the queen of hearts storyline um alice in wonderland of course yeah of course iconic um and then um yeah so we have that and so we have our main character Catherine. um she wants to be a baker she's having a good time baking her little sweets and she's bringing to them to, like, the king's ball. Her parents are, like, super loaded and, like, um, are, like, oh, my gosh, like, you get to go to the king's ball. Like, maybe he'll notice you. Like, he's looking for a wife. And she's, like, yeah, 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 whatever. And then at the ball, she meets this guy named, oh, what is his name? Oh. That's my bad. I don't remember. Um, <laughs> Do you want me to look it up? I'll do it. Because um, he plays a pretty important role. I'm pretty... He does. You would be correct. Um, jest. Jest. Like jest. Um, like like a jester. Yeah. Yeah. He's the court joker. So. Oh, okay. Yeah. I get it. <laughs> okay. And he is at this ball. He's, like, the entertainment. And everyone's, like, so, like, entranced by him. They're, like, he is incredible. Mm-hmm. And, of course, Kath is, like, oh, you're a vibe. Um, and they kind of they kindle something here. But then the king sees her at this ball and is, like, wow, your baking is just absolutely superb. Like, I'm into you. We should wipe you up. You know? Oh, wow. So the king takes a special interest in her, and of course her parents are overjoyed. 
but all Kath wants to do, she doesn't want to be the queen. She wants to open a bakery with her, with her friend, and just wants to bake and, you know, have a simple life over here. Mm. But her parents are like, no, you're going to be the king. You're going to make us proud. You're not going to be a disappointment for once in your life. And, um, so yeah, it's kind of that power struggle throughout the whole book. And you're kind of just wondering, like, then she's got this thing going on with Jess, but she's also got this thing going on with the king. And then she's also just got her own, like, life ideals of, like, independence, basically, that she craves so much. Um, and yeah, so it's a really good book. Queen of Hearts retelling, kind of, yeah. Cute. Okay. Last, this is the last one I can think of. And this will kind of be You're a so dual ahead thing. Of schedule. How much time do we have left? Quite a while. What do you mean? Is it... How long have we been going? <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't know. Like, I feel like it's been a while. It's been like just over 30 minutes, I, I would guess. No. Yeah. No. We started like an hour ago, did we not? No. Oh. <laughs> well, anyways, if we still need a lot of time, we could just do books that we know have anti-heroes that we haven't read. <laughs> uh, look at us just improvising on the spot. We're very professional here. Anyway, this is going to be a dual... Well, maybe this isn't the last one then, I don't know. Um, this is going to be kind of a dual thing to explain because, um, this is a trilogy that I've read the first book for, but Lily's read all the books for, and that is, um, the Dark Artifices trilogy by Cassandra Clare. Now, before uh, those of you who haven't read the Shadowhunter Chronicles groan at us and they're like, oh my god, those complicated books that there's like 200 of, um, would, it's okay. There's, this is just three, and honestly... You can read it, like, without reading um, other books, I feel like. I'm pretty sure there's an art, because you didn't read the Mortal Instruments. And I'm pretty sure there's literally an article that I sent to you, and it was, like, um, it was, Everything like, things you that you need to know to read the Dark Artifices. We should just do a podcast episode one day where we just summarize the Mortal Instruments so that no one has to read the Mortal Instruments. We should, honestly. Just, we're get, we, we should do that, yeah. I feel like we'd be a good balance, too, because I was, like, obsessed with the show at one point, and, like, you've watched the book. You've watched the show and, watched like, the read book. the books. Watched the books? Yeah, you watched the books. Um, yeah, yeah, we could save so many people pain. Heck, I need you to still explain the plot to me. I don't know what happens in those books. <laughs> oh. Coming next week to Two Girls Who Read a Podcast. Ne- next <laughs> week on Two Girls Who Read a Podcast. Yeah, um, it'll, it'll serve as a dual purpose for you. Yeah, so this is more of a reason to read The Dark Artifices because even if you couldn't get away with... Because usually in the... We should probably explain. Usually in the Chronicles... um the only books that people tell you like you have to read before like the dark artifices are like you have to read the mortal instruments and the mortal instruments is a six book of like ya series it's the first series in the shadow hunter chronicles uh which is and so that's why we're saying like we should save you the time because the mortal instruments follows the journey of like clary 
who basically finds out that it's the first book in the Shadowhunter Chronicles where it's like Clary finds out that there's this mystical world of like where all the legends are real and like all true or whatever and um basically like vampires werewolves fairies but they call them seelies and then like some other mystical creatures sometimes too oh and warlocks warlocks and uh exists and then there's also these things called shadow hunters which basically is just like a fancy way of saying demon hunter and clary is a demon hunter and it kind of the first like the mortal instruments are not good <laughs> like they do the last three books kind of have mixed reviews like some people say that they're good and some people say that like they're not but like the first three it's like without doubt like not good not good um but luckily we got the iconic quote you're my sister I should want to protect you protect you <laughs> you know the the classic um I've read the classics <laughs> I've read the classics yeah um but 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 uh the events that take p- because the dark artifices is a trilogy that takes place in the same universe as the the mortal instruments and it follows five years later five years after the events of like the mortal instruments and it follows the journey of of two characters who we meet in the mortal instruments when they're like children they're like babies and so like you really <laughs> learn about their trauma like through clary's perspective and like the mortal instruments like story's perspective you like you know how you always have, like, the characters with trauma, but then you just, like, read about their trauma via flashbacks? No, we watch. Yes. We watch their trauma. Yes. Unfolding in the moments. It's quite heartbreaking, obviously. But, you know, it makes for a good story. Yeah. But why I'm saying, like, you don't need to read it, like, is because I haven't read the Mortal Instruments, but I've still read the Dark Artifices. But you still get that, where it's, like, you go back in flashbacks and you do get bits and pieces of the yeah, trauma. Yeah, you get the flashbacks. You do get the flashbacks. So it's okay. Like, you can get away with, like, going in without reading the Mortal Instruments. But it basically, it follows the journey of Julian and Emma, who are these things called Parabatai in this fantasy world. And Parabatai, it's basically this, like, really, like, otherworldly bond where pretty much it's... um. It's kind of described as a bunch of different things. To some people, it's like a brotherly or like sibling like bond. You're like bonded for well, we life. Like, we don't like to call it that. We don't, we don't like, like to, to call, call it, it that because bond. it's so much more. It's not a sibling bond. It's more just like you're just like binded magically, like heart and soul. And there's a thing of like um, shadow hunters. They give themselves these like runes. They draw like basically tattoos on themselves and they give them different abilities to help them in battle and the parabatai rune it's like a permanent rune and whatever but basically part of like the rune is you can draw power like from your parabatai and it's like a whole thing anyway the number one rule of parabatai of the parabatai rune is you cannot um fall in love with your parabatai romantically like you can like it's only platonic Mm -hmm. And so the story of, like, the Dark Artifices, where the dilemma comes in, is Emma and Julian became Parabatai, but they, like, are totally into each other, and it's, like, couldn't be more obvious. And so, yeah, it follows their journey, and they live in Los Angeles at the Los Angeles Institute, and they're just vibing as shadow hunters going to and, life. Yep. And 
I just need to ask because this is it's a fun it's a fun series. Their parents are dead. Because <laughs> <laughs> it's quality. Their parents are indeed dead. Both of them. Both of them. Let <laughs> two separate <laughs> families parents. just dead. Completely dead. Yeah. Um <laughs> I feel like that audio, you know, where it's like, oh my god, he's dead and then it like does the like Minecraft sound effect. <laughs> it's like, oh my god. Oh my god. Yeah. Oh my god. Like that. Anyway. Um, but yeah, so it follows that. And we were talking about this uh Julian, our our homeboy Julian. Uh especially in the second and third books. He is a little bit of an anti-hero at some points, and Lily can explain it better than me because she's read the second of the oh. books. Yes. I'll pick it up from here. Yeah, over to you. Um, yeah, so Julian, he is a character who, if so, if you have read the Mortal Instruments, I will say, I've seen a lot of people do back-to-back quotes of, um, so the main the main villain in the in the Mortal Instruments book series. Mm. His name is Jonathan. Um, if you've read them or seen the show, you know that. There's been a lot of back-to-back quotes where people take quotes that Jonathan said and then quotes that Julian said in the books, and they're, like, same quote oh, pretty wow. much. Oh, wow, that's crazy. So, it's, like, a little... Yeah, so anti-hero, like, oh, confirmed. <laughs> anti-hero confirmed. Anti-hero confirmed. Anti-hero <laughs> confirmed. Yeah. Definitely. Um, so he does a lot of questionable things, and I think that there was like a whole like one of like a part of one of the books. I don't remember which one. It's a whole thing where even Emma, his his paramatai slash lover, um, there was like a whole thing where she's like, "I'm terrified of you. Like, mm-hmm. I'm kind of scared of you." And he's like, "Jesus Christ, would you like?" calm down <laughs> it's not that bad um, <laughs> okay okay I'm not doing anything wrong right now okay just <laughs> yeah um so definitely got the anti-hero vibes oh I found the quotes oh, oh my god so there's a, there was a few more of these that I saw but I can only find this one right now maybe I'll try to find the other ones as I continue talking but here's one and it was, my name is Jonathan, and I'm going to burn down the world. It's obviously, Jonathan said that. <laughs> and then a quote from Julian that says, I don't care. The world can burn if my family lives. So, like, oh, yeah. similar. Um, he was just willing to, to risk it all for... <laughs> Why? What does it sound like? Julian's just Jonathan, but was loved. Like... Yeah, it was like, it's like Julian's just... Jonathan, but with like a shit ton of siblings he's responsible um yeah so definitely morally gray and then even Emma gets pretty morally gray especially in the last book oh. Emma kind of Emma kind of goes off her rocker a little bit <laughs> like that? there's this one there's this one scene that I remember reading and I remember reading it being like okay Emma like you know that it's like is this who we are is this who we represent oh really <laughs> <laughs> I had that moment a little bit where I was like, girl, I understand you're going through it, but like, it's a bit psychopathic. But yeah, but here's the thing about them that I imagine why they're such good anti-heroes is like, 
their trauma is just so bad that you're like, look, so I bad. get it. Like, I get it. Okay. It's okay. Like, even, yeah. even in the first book, like, they've already had their traumatic backstories, like, unfolded in the mortal instruments. We've had the flashbacks. They have gone through it. You know, they, they have, like, a get out of homicide card for, from me. Like, they are okay. They, and you. What was that? You haven't even read, you haven't even read all their trauma yet. There's some Well, more. yeah, well, that's what I'm trying to say. And then I, even in the first book, just the first book in the trilogy, they have more shit happen to them that I'm like, that's really bad. I'm like, that's not good. That's very traumatic right there. Like, this is going to have some consequences mentally on these characters. So, like, ooh, yeah, these characters, they're just, like, that's what makes them good anti-heroes because it's, like, they even when they do bad things. I, I'm pretty sure we've had a conversation, Lily, like, off podcast where we're literally saying, like, okay, but literally if Julian, like, assassinated, like, everybody you'd kind of see where he was coming from though it's like it's just so bad yeah i know like i understand where they're coming from but um all i guess i'll say because i don't want to spoil it obviously Mm. on this topic is obviously like we olivia explained earlier like parabatai aren't allowed to be together it's a very strict rule and all I'll say is eventually desperation kicks in. Oh. <laughs> and yes, yes, yes. Desperate people desperate people never do good things. <laughs> yeah. Desperate times so. desperate measures. Yeah. Okay. But I mean Yeah. Mm. Here we go. Yeah. Well, I personally think it's been an hour. Um, <laughs> okay. So we're well, just going to go we'll find with it. Out. We'll find out for those listening at home. If it's if this podcast is a, little, is a little bit shorter or like a little bit longer, it's because we're just, if we haven't kept track of the time today. And in GarageBand, you cannot see times. Like it's all done in like freaking bars. So we're on like bar 1428 right now, but we don't know what that is in minutes. So we're going to end it here. Um, there's only so many borderline psychopathic characters that we can like give a shout out to before people start questioning our sanity. So we best go. Um, go. We, we best be gone. And yeah, we will see you next week where we will possibly or probably um, explain the entire plot of the Mortal Instruments. That is something that could happen so stay tuned i guess and then once you listen to that you can go read the the dark artifices finally get involved in the cassandra clay universe if you haven't already we'll save you we'll save you from having to read the incest books yeah and if you've already if you've already read the incest books quite honestly it'll probably be still a very entertaining podcast because it'll just be us making fun of the moral instruments for one hour that's probably the title of the podcast right there it's like making fun of the model instruments for an hour and however many minutes i'm actually quite looking forward i'm actually quite looking forward to it there's a lot that you can make fun of Mm, yeah i can't believe i've never thought of this as a podcast topic before like we were just like no we will not bring the model instruments into this but no we have chosen chaos it seems so oh well chaos ensues in the future weeks of two girls who read a podcast (laughs) 
through. <laughs> Make that a tagline or something. Okay. Well. See you guys next week. Bye. Bye.